Thanks for tuning in to the Brentwood Academy podcast. Brentwood Academy is dedicated to nurturing and challenging each whole person, body, mind, and spirit to the glory of God. Through this podcast, it's our hope to provide an enjoyable experience, to hear interesting stories, listen to chapel talks, and discover profiles on members of the BA community. To learn more about Brentwood Academy, visit us online at brentwoodacademy.com. Enjoy today's episode. How you guys doing? Good, good. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. This is going to be hopefully a fun time. Uh, if nothing else, you're just not in class right now, so have fun. Um, so I'm going to have fun. Uh, it's an honor to be here. Uh, for those that don't know, I am a uh, hip-hop artist, a recording artist. Um, I do uh, Christian hip-hop, and I've been able to do that. I've been blessed to do that full-time uh, for the last almost uh, 10 years of my life, and that has been uh, one of the most surreal things ever uh, because when I was in school, I used to get detention for missing class, for standing outside freestyling and rapping, uh, and then lo and behold, God uses that now uh, for his glory. So God had a plan even before I knew it. Um, and that's kind of the thing we're talking about today is that God has a plan and that God knows. We're going to talk about God's omniscience. Um, can you say that with me? God's omniscience. Omniscience. Omniscience is this idea that God is all-knowing. That's pretty much it. Omniscience is the uh, collegiate word, if you will, just for the idea that God is all-knowing. God knows everything. God knows everything about you. God knows everything about me. He knows everything about you from what you've done, what you're doing right now, the very thoughts you're having right now, to the things you will do later today, later tomorrow, later this week, later this year, later in life. God knows everything. And for a lot of people, that's just kind of a thing we blow by, right? Like, it's a thing like, man, God's all-knowing. Man, God knows everything. Man, God knows that. And we kind of blow by it with a little sense of, of, of being cavalier or just kind of being frivolous with this idea, just kind of lax, like, ah, oh, whatever, God knows, and we just move on. But there is something unique and amazing that makes God who he is because he is, in fact, all-knowing. We're not all-knowing. We're not. My first week in high school, um, I can say this now because I'm an adult, and if you make fun of me, it won't hurt me. Um, but my first week in high school, I got lost every day. It was pitiful. Every day. They'd be like, yo, class is down here, and I'd get my locker, I'd get to it, get my books, and I'd leave, and I'd always make the wrong turn, and I'd end up in somebody else's class only to be yelled at and kicked out. Almost to the point to where they said, I think you're just trying to skip class. You're going to get detention because I always got lost. When I first started learning how to drive, it was one of the most amazing moments of my life because it's the most my mom ever yelled at me. She was like, I'm not having it. I'm not happy about it. Next, you know what? Get out. I'm driving. And that's kind of <laughs> it's kind of how it went for me for most of the time. But at that at that moment, I wasn't good at it. I didn't get it right. There was not anything about it that came to me naturally. I had to learn. I had to study. I had to figure it out. I wasn't all-knowing in that moment. And even when I learned how to drive, there have been plenty of moments where I just got distracted, wasn't paying attention, and I ended up on the wrong street or making a wrong turn or doing something else because I wasn't really clear on everything happening in front of me. I'm not all-knowing. You're not all-knowing. You know how I know you're not all-knowing? Because some of you wish you could take that test again. 
Some of you wish you had the answers again. Some of you wish that somebody would have told you something that you didn't know so you'd have got a better grade or you wouldn't have got caught or you wouldn't. Some, some, some things happen where you go, man, I'm not, I'm not all-knowing. And life has proven that to you. Even now, if you think about it, life has proven to you the fact that you're not all-knowing. But we have a God who is. And that should bring you comfort. That should not bring you fear, but that should bring you joy. And in my life, it has done that tremendously. And so in order to talk about God being all-knowing, we'll go to the book that talks about God himself. Um, We'll go to his Bible, and we'll look at the book of Psalm, Psalms 139, Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. And so this is David writing about God and his attribute about being all-knowing. So a little background about me. Um, I'm from this really small city uh, in Texas called Houston, um, really small. And I grew up in a single-parent home for the most part of my life. It was me and my mom and my little sister. I had a stepdad for a little while, and he was in and out and eventually gone. I didn't grow up with my biological father. I did not know him um, until later in life. And so for me, honestly, it was just me, my mom, and my little sister. And so I had because of being the only male in the home, a lot of responsibility put on me. You'll clean this, you'll wash that, you'll move this, you'll pick up that, you're gonna go here, run this errand, do that. And I'm also the oldest, and so mom quickly put me in charge of a lot of things. But because of this, and because of the fact that I was doing them, then people would look at me and they go, man, you're a good kid, right? They'd look at me and they say, man, you're a good kid. And honestly, a lot of people, I think in hindsight, just couldn't see all the bad that I was really doing because I was really good at hiding it. And that's kind of the good that I think of. But for them, they just saw a good kid. And a lot of people said it, like my my principal, my pastor, and my parent, my mom, they would all say it. My principal, he'd be like, Tadashi, come here. And I think that's a principal voice. I mean, you heard it earlier. That's how they talk. How you doing? It's just really, 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 really serious. Um, but not at school. They're a different person. Anyway, so um, I, I hear my principal. He calls me over. He's like, man, you're a good kid. You're a good kid. And, and, and when you're a good kid, you get stuff, right? Like it would seem it would be better the other way around. Like the kid that isn't that good, needs more attention, needs help. No, the good kid gets more stuff. Principal will be like, come here. What are you doing? I was headed to class. You don't have to go to class. Come with me. And we just walk and talk. And I'm like, this is creepy, but I'm going to go with you. I don't know where we're going. You just can't call a brother out like this and then not tell us where we're going. It's weird, but I'm going to go. And we end up in a lunchroom, and he just talked to me about my future, what I wanted to do in life, my plans, and we talk over and over. But that was him. My pastor would do the same thing, and he'd say, Tadashi. And he was different than the principal because he was really low in voice, somber, because that shows spirituality. He's like, Tadashi, you're a good kid. And then he'd reach into his pocket and he'd pull out a peppermint because, you know, when you graduate seminary, you get discounts on peppermints and they'd have them. 
Like every time you go to church, they got a peppermint, right? Like it's ready for you. Right by the door when you come in, there's a bowl of them or somebody's got them in their pocket and they're a little sweaty and old, but you eat them um, because you've been trained to be addicted to sugar in America. So you eat it. But at the end of the day, I would get peppermint from him, a pat on the head like a puppy. And then he'd tell me I was a good kid. And my mom would do the same thing. She's like, you're a good kid. You're always helping around the house. You're doing all these things. And I grew up thinking that, believing that about myself. You know what? I am a good kid. And so I, I, I get to high school. I graduate high school with a 4.0 GPA. And I, I end up getting to this level of I'm actually achieving the things I want to do. Uh, my mom is actually an educator. Most of my family are educators. And so um, for often, most of my life, education was the biggest thing about it. Either they're military or they're educators. And so everybody from, they were everything from principals to superintendents to coaches to my mom who taught special needs for 20 years and then eventually became a coach. And then from there, now in her um, put out to pasture years, she just worked in the library collecting a check, and then she retired after 35 years last year. And so from that world, I saw the need and importance of education. So I graduate high school. Um, I go to take the ACT because I didn't take the SAT because I was boycotting it, which means really I didn't pay in time and didn't tell my mom that. So I signed up for the ACT instead and then went and took that. Um, And I got a grade on it high enough, a score high enough um, that I was able to graduate high school. And I got accepted to this really small school in Texas called Baylor University. You might have heard of it. Um, Oh, it's tiny, bro. It's tiny. Um, And so I get there, and I'm on an academic scholarship, a partial scholarship covering most of my tuition. Um, But I need more money to make it up. And we were earning money, saving money to try to pay for it. But I was like, you know what? I want to play football. I've played football most of my life. Most of my relatives who are educators or are military at some point played football, a lot of them in the NFL, and so I want to do that. And so these were my aspirations, to be a good kid, to go to college, to get good grades, and to play football. And that was my world. And so I graduate, um, I go to college, I walk onto the football team, and I am living my dream. I'm living it out. And so two months into my college career, this guy walks up as I'm leaving the sub, the student union building. And he walks up and he says, hey, can we talk, bro? I was like, sure, buddy, what's up? He said, hey, um, I just want to let you know, the things that I heard you talk about, the things you laughed at, the jokes you made, the people you made fun of, the way you spoke, I got to be honest, man, like I think the Bible would call some of those sin. And he said, sin is when you disobey a holy God. And he said, listen, when we disobey God, we incur his punishment. God has to punish sin, but he sent Jesus. And if you believe in him, then God can set you free. He can save you. And then he said, there's a real place called heaven and there's a real place called hell. And and I don't know if you're going to go to heaven. And I looked at him and I was offended, upset. And I was like, you don't know me, bro. And I started off low and then I got loud and I was like, you don't know me by this time campus... People are stopping on campus, they're turning and watching us, and I put my hands on him. Really, I pushed him on the ground in anger, but I put my hands on him to move him, and, and I stepped over him and went to class upset. And I tell him, I'm like, you don't know me, man. You don't know where I come from. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I had to do to get here. People where I come from don't get to go to college, let alone this school. You don't know me, man. And I leave, and I go to class upset. And I walk to class, get inside, and I'm fuming. 
Because really, honestly, this is the first time in life that I can remember that someone told me I wasn't good. And he was actually saying that God was telling him this. And he was saying that God was the one saying it, not him, but God. And it, it was bothering me. And so I leave, and I go to take out my aggression in, 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 at practice. I get to the, to the field. Coach is like, no, nah, hey, we're not, running, we're not doing drills on the field today. We're just lifting weights. Anytime you hear that, that's a blessing, right, football players? That's a blessing. And it's like, man, I just don't want to – I'm glad. Let's just go lift. I love lifting weights. And so we, we start doing the workout routine. We finish that in a couple hours, and I'm still upset. And so I'm just keep – I'm steady going. And somebody was like, what are you doing? I was like, man, I'm going to just do some squats. Squats is like my favorite workout of all time. Um, and so my man said, look up there, man, on the wall. That's the squat record. Squat record at school at the time was 805. And he said, you know what? You're a freshman, and you can all, I, I bet you could beat that. I was already squatting like 685. So he was like, I bet you can beat that. And I was like, whatever, let's try it. I'm upset. I, I, throw, I throw 685 on the bar. I was like, let's just max out. I go down, pow, I come up. And I was like, you know what? Put 700 on the bar. Put 700 on, I go down, pow, I come up. I said, you know what? Put 725 on. And my boy in the back like, you going to do it. He going to do it. He going to do it. Y'all don't know where coach at. He going to do it. And so everybody's starting to come around. And he's like, all right, man, put 725 on. And I go down and I get up. It was hard, but I got up. Put 750 on. Now, I'm only 55 pounds away if I get this from breaking the record a senior made at this college. Oh, it's on. And so I'm motivated now. I done forgot about the dude who yelled at me, fussed at me, told me something about Jesus. Now I'm just worried about this. And I'm motivated. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. We shooting honey shots. I don't know if you know about that. But anyway, we working out. We getting ready. He wrapped my knees up. I walk under the bar. And I go down, but I don't come back up. And, and when I go down, I heard this snap. Yeah. And I heard this snap, but really what happened was I heard this snap and it was, I heard it more internally than I did externally. And that's what really freaked me out. And I was like, ah! <laughs> you know what? Um, no, I didn't never tell people I make that sound. Okay, guys, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. That's not who I am, guys. But I mean, you hear my voice. It was more like, oh, no, it was like that. <laughs> It was like, no way. It was like that, guys. Don't, so when you, if you ever say, oh, yeah, it was lifting weights and got hurt, then, you know, don't tell them that scream took place. Uh, you know, actually, it, it was the people behind me who screamed. Let's just say that. Um, they did that. And so I fall to the ground, and it was like in slow motion, everything took place. And then eventually, I know that I'm not able to pull myself up. And I hear Charles in the back. He's like, Doc, Doc, come on, Doc, Doc. And Doc runs over. Um, long story short, they get me to the hospital. I walk into the doctor's office um, after getting uh, checked out and x-rayed. And he said, son, let's talk. He said, um, I don't know if you know this, but you have scoliosis. Did you know this? I said, no, nah, I didn't know it. He said, yeah, you have scoliosis. Your spine is curved in three places. He said, not only that, but your hips are badly out of alignment. He said, your left hip is rotated forward, but your right one is forward and outward. I don't know how you walked in my office today. He said, so you got two choices. You can, you can keep playing football, probably run the risk of losing the ability to walk for the rest of your life, or you can stop playing ball and rehab and, you know, walk. It's up to you. And I looked at him. I said, yeah. I'm going to stick with walking, Doc. Um, 
I've been doing it since I was three. I'm pretty good at it now. I'm, I'm going to stick to walking. Yeah. Yes, three. Don't judge me. I was a late bloomer. Don't judge me. I can walk now, though. How about that, guys? I can walk now, right? Right? Oh, no, it's too late. Don't ruin it. Don't clap. You ruined it when you laughed at me. No, I don't trust you now. It's over. Um, but I, I leave the doctor's office. But leaving his office, that was the moment when I realized no more football. That was the end of my football career. And that, as a matter of fact, because of that, that was the end of that scholarship. Because that was the end of that scholarship, I needed more money for school, and that wasn't happening. And so eventually, even the picture of college for me was about to end. And in that moment, literally the next day in that moment, who else would come up but that same guy who talked to me before? And he did what any person who loves Jesus would do. He shared the gospel again. And he said, listen, man, I don't care how strong you are, how, how tough you are, how mean you are, how much of a bully you can be to me. He said, but if your goodness is not God's goodness, then your goodness will never be good enough. And then he said something I had never heard before that I did not know. He said, God wants a relationship with you. Now, I'd never heard that before in my life. And I said, what does that mean? And he says, it simply means that God wants a relationship with his creator and with his creation. The creator wants a relationship with his creation. And in the book of John chapter one, verse 11 and 12, it says, for as many of those who have received him, who have believed in him, he makes them the children of God. God wants a relationship with you, father and son. And all it takes is for you to believe that Jesus is Lord. Confess that with your mouth and believe that on the third day, God raised him from the dead and you would be saved. And in that moment, no exaggeration, in that exact moment, it was as if something internally hugged me. It felt like a warm embrace. And for the first time in my life, literally first time, not when I learned, was learning how to drive and finally got it right, not when I was working out, not when I was playing ball, not when I was out with my mom and, and helping run errands, not when I was in school, not when I was taking tests, not when I was hanging out at church, not when I was with the pastor. This moment, for the first time in my life, I felt real peace. The kind of peace to know I am okay. That no matter what comes at me, I am going to be okay. I felt safe. I felt protected. And I felt loved. And literally with tears in my eyes, I dropped to my knees right in front of the Patton F building outside the sub. And I cried out to God to save my soul. I confessed Jesus as Lord. And he set me free and made me new, made my heart a heart of flesh that moment. And that moment has changed my life forever. I have never been the same since. And so in those moments, I leave and I find really this verse, this passage because, you know, I was a new believer and I was really wanting to get to know God more. So I did my study the way any of us do. You just put your thumb there and flip till you feel like you should stop. And you just open it up there. Like, oh, that's spiritual. I did this, Lord. You chose that, Lord. I didn't. You, you picked that. And so God took me to Psalm 139. And he took me to this picture of something that I didn't understand theologically, that I didn't understand educationally, that I really didn't even grasp as a Christian. But I knew this meant something when he said, oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. The fact that God understands you, 
Even if no one else does, God sees you. God recognizes you. God's aware of you. He knows you. Everything about you, the things that you like, the things that you dislike, the quirks about you, the way that somebody will come up and say something and you don't like it, so you walk off in anger or you actually stand there and endure it because you're just trying to be nice. Like God knows that about you. He says, you searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and you know when I rise up. Now, in this moment, the the word that scholars use is this idea of a a mirrorism. It's this idea of this give and take, this ebb and flow, this opposite of one another. It's you know me when I stand up and you know me when I sit down. You know when I go out, you know when I come in, in the next verse. And this picture of it is really saying this, that no matter what position of life you're in, No matter when things are up and good for you, no matter when they're down and they're not so great for you, when you're hard at work and you're up and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, or those times that you're not doing that because you have to rest, God is aware of every moment. He sees it all. You know my going out, you know my coming in, and that ebb and flow is to picture, to kind of exemplify life. That idea of, you know, God, you know when I'm waking up to get ready for school, you know when I'm on the bus or in the car or on my bike or on my feet headed back home. You know when I go, you know when I come back. You know all of the in-between. You know every part of me, oh God. And then he says, even before a word was on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, when I read this, this is right after becoming a Christian. When I read this, this actually freaked me out because I didn't, all the words off my tongue wasn't really good back then. It just didn't happen like that. And I was like, God, what does that mean? But here's the beauty of what that means. It's that God was not looking at the, at the activity alone because he was searching my heart where the words came from. He was looking to the place that mattered most. And so it was a freedom and a peace that came in that moment. And he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. He says in verse 5, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. And so that verse really didn't make sense in that moment, but it, it, it's this picture of God saying, I got you. I got you. Whether it's in the gym and I'm lifting weights and somebody's spotting me so the weight doesn't fall on me, he's like, I got you. Whether it's my tutor, when I, when I didn't really want to do trigonometry, like, I don't know why anybody would want to. Never mind, do it, guys. You're in school. Do it. Trigonometry, yay. So um, um, at the end of the day, when I needed a tutor for trigonometry, they're like, I got you. I got you. We got this. When I was learning how to drive for real, and one of my best friends in life was teaching me to drive stick shift, and he's like, bro, I got you. You, gonna have, you got it. I got it. And even in this moment, when, when I first become a believer and God is there affirming, I'm with you. I'm with you. I got you. It's unfamiliar. You don't know what's happening. Really, you don't even know enough to know what you're to know. But at the end of the day, I got you. And so this verse resonated with me as a young believer, as a babe, and it will come back again. In my life, I would say probably um, four years ago, this verse would come back up. This passage would come back up. Um, Fast forward now, I'm out of college. Hallelujah. Um, You'll know. I'm out of college (laughs) I've passed that chapter. Uh, I actually find my beautiful wife, Danielle. She is fine. So is that, I'm sorry, it's inappropriate. I'm sorry. It's godly though, so I can say it. Um, But she, she is gorgeous and she has given me four beautiful, I mean, uh, uh, well in life, four beautiful boys, but at that season of life, four years ago, uh, really, really now, probably more like six years ago, 
um, my, my son Jaden was born. And then right after Jaden, we had Chase. Um, we named Jaden Jaden because uh, my name's Tadashi, and I wouldn't punish him that way at all. Um, I wanted people to be able to pronounce his name, so his name is Jaden. Um, and then we named our son Chase because his name may, means hunter or pursuer, and we wanted someone who would pursue the Lord. So Chase Isaiah is his name. And um, so I'm the, I'm the proud father of two boys. Um, I actually get on a plane and leave to go to an event. And I, I fly out and I go to Maryland and then I go to uh, Panama City. And then um, in Panama City is when my wife texted me and said, hey, babe, um, I just want to let you know Chase isn't feeling well. Um, he's got a fever, but, you know, everything's good. Uh, we'll see you when you get back. And I'm like, awesome. All right, cool. I'll be praying. Um, and so we pray and then we leave. We go do the event. We come back and I get a text and she says, we're at the hospital. Um, just letting you know what's going on. I'll keep you posted. Um, but I pray, I go to sleep, I wake up, um, I get on a plane, I fly home, and it's the coolest moment of my life because this is the first time that I got upgraded to first class, um, and I thought I was special, and I was like, yeah, you know, extra leg room, all the soda I want, it's amazing, those little snacks that you don't like, but you take them because it's in first class, so you eat them, like, yes, I'm living a dream, and I sit down, and there's a woman next to me, and she is not all there. Like, she's a few sandwiches short of a picnic, um, a few fries short of a Happy Meal. Um, and I was like, hi, how you doing? And she just was really rambling some of the weirdest sentences in the world to me. Um, and so in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to share the gospel. This is about to happen. So I, I find a way to, to get to the point of encouraging her with the picture of faith in God, faith in Christ. And I do my best. Um, and so we land in Dallas. And as soon as we land, I turn my phone on and I got all these messages coming through voicemails. Um, and then I have a text message from my wife, call me. So I call my wife and I go, Hey, what's up, babe? And she says, um, he didn't make it. And with, with the sound of sobbing, she says, he didn't make it. She hangs up the phone. Um, and I go, what, what? And then I wail. I don't, I don't cry. I don't whimper. I don't kind of, kind of like, ye- like yell a little. Um, I scream at the top of my lungs. Um, because she said Chase passed. Um, and I had no clue what to do. And in that moment, um, just as God would plan it, there's this woman next to me who was the most oddest human I'd ever met. She puts her hand on my back. And she starts to rub my back, and she just says, God knows. God knows. Have faith. God knows. Literally the thing I told her an hour ago in the air. And she just rubs my back, and she says, God knows. And then when we get to the gate and they open the door, um, I shoot off the plane. I run outside. I get in the car with my little sister. um, And in silence, we drive home. I get to my house. Um, My pastor's already there. Um, certain friends who are there, and then there's my wife, um, and we, we meet, we greet, um, I kiss my other son, and then we go in the room, and we just cry for at least three days. We didn't leave the room. Um, we just cry, and we pray, and we laugh, and we tell stories, and we cry, and we pray. We have this real moment 
And then for me, I step away from that moment and I kind of get into this place of, really, Lord? Like after everything we've been through, really? I gave up all the things that you wanted me to in college to love and serve you. I chose to live a certain way to give my life away in missions and ministry. I, I even decided to do this thing called Christian hip-hop. Nobody grows up wanting to rap about God. That's weird. But you end up doing it because you love him. And you go, man, God, I give you everything. Everything. And in that moment, I wanted a king's ransom. I wanted something that resembled nothing ever will happen to you because of what you've done. And that's not Christianity. Christianity is a, is a faith of believers who trust him come high or low. But here's the beauty of what that is. And I don't say this now to put a pretty bow on it because there are days that I have that are hard and there are moments that I'm in counseling. There are moments where I'm calling my pastor back in Texas where I'm meeting with my pastor in Atlanta and I'm having conversations saying, help me. This is hard. Every time I walk into a elementary school and go, he would have been in kindergarten. Every time I go to the playground and I'm like, oh, look, my oldest would have had him to play with. Every time that I leave and I, I go to an event and it's anywhere near those cities that I flew from and the, the trauma kicks in, anytime they upgrade me, which I thought was amazing, I'm like, this is weird. That kicks in. But the other thing that kicks in, and here's why it's important, God knows. God knew, not when that happened, God knew the moment I dropped to my knees at Baylor and cried out for him. He knew to lead me from that moment to my dorm room to randomly thumb through my Bible and find this verse that would give me the picture that he is all-knowing. That right now in your life, he is all-knowing. That you don't know. You don't know what's going to come next. You don't know what's going to happen next. You don't know what's going to come for you. But you do know that he knows and you know him. And that's the beauty of what this means. He's omniscient. He is all-knowing. And so no matter what happens in your life, allow that to be the foundation. Allow the fact that he has you. Now it made more sense in verse 5 when he says, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. I am protected on both sides and I am covered by the very hand of God. You are covered by the very hand of God. And no matter what comes in your life, no matter what happens, no matter what disappointments happen now or joys, highs or lows that happen, you are in his hand, cradled, loved, protected. And it's that very love and protection that carried me that carries me, that keeps me, even in the moments where it doesn't seem like life is easy or fair, even in the moments where it seems like I don't deserve any of this. Look how amazing this is. He's there. And so I just want to leave you with this. There's a reality for us that oftentimes we get confused because things are good. I grew up thinking I was a good kid, and I thought being a good kid got me good things. And ultimately, what it led to was me only seeing myself. And oftentimes, that can be the danger, is that you only see yourself. And when you only see yourself, then 
Everything you think, everything you do can dangerously become the standard for you and everyone else around you because it's about you. And the reason that God is all-knowing and wants us to know that is because it takes someone willing to lay that aside, surrender, and humbly approach him and say, I don't know, but you do. Help me know you. I'm not all-knowing, but if I'm not all-knowing, I at least want to know the one who is. And in that place, there is security and safety no matter what comes. Let me pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your love and for your your gifting of your son. In that moment, God, Jesus knew what was coming. He was aware that he would have to take the cross. And even in the garden, as he prayed with, with drops of blood like sweat, God, he prayed your will be done. Even though he would love for the cup and this, this, this desire of yours on him to pass, he still prayed your will be done. And that's one of the hardest prayers at times, God, because it seems as if that's going to lead us to a place of harm or loss or a lack of fun or excitement. But it's in that place, oh God, that we get more of you and more of you is what we need and what we want, Lord. So I pray for all of these here that you would be with them, God, that you would bless them, that in their going out and their coming in and their sitting and their standing, God, that you would show them that you are with them, that you know them, and that that fact alone matters more than anything else because you cover them no matter what comes their way, even if it's something, God, that they can never even fathom or understand how to overcome. It's possible because it's possible because you know. And so, God, cover them and protect them. Thank you for this time, oh God, in Christ's name. Amen.